For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pay Dirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. A lot of excitement around the Penn State football program as we now shift to Wednesdays in our schedule as of today, December 15th. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. So uh, as many of you know, the National Signing Day early intent, early signing period is underway as of today for the Penn State Nittany Lions. So we are going to be recapping um, all those signings in next week's episode. We're going to see how everything plays out because as you guys all know things change pretty quickly in college football and Penn State has seen that a lot as of lately we're going to dive into the hire of former Miami head football coach Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator for Penn State Sean Clifford has announced that he's returning to Penn State for a sixth season in 2022 Uh, speaking of quarterbacks Taquan Roberson has announced he's entering the transfer portal and then in regards to the Outback Bowl for Penn State Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks has announced that he is opting out and looking ahead to the NFL draft. And that is something Matt and I have talked about a lot, opting out. And we will ask that question to our guests, one of the greatest linebackers, in my opinion, in the history of college football, Paul Pazlesny, will be our guest. We certainly are going to ask him about opting out. So there's a lot for us to get to today here. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. You know, the holiday season is in full swing, and Bet Online has you covered. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, Funk Brewing is, of course, the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. And Matt, I am very excited, especially about their 12 Days of Christmas sampler pack. Have you gotten your hands on it yet? I have not. I, I, I actually need to look into that. Come on, oh, John I know, Norman. I know. Uh, they, I think they have limited uh, limited quantities, right? That's like, the thing. Not, you got to yeah. get them now. Yeah, you got to get them now. Uh, so definitely have to look into that. But no, Funk does a fantastic job. Always coming out with different styles of beer. Um, you know, from their silent disco, they have a vanilla citrus. Cozy is a great beer to drink this time of year. Um, I had a uh, you know a, a citrus IPA from them the other night, so it's uh, it's fantastic brew. They do a great job. Each beer, it's just so many different flavors. Tom, it's it's fun trying different ones for them. Um, but uh, we appreciate them being a sponsor. They help me with my golf tournament each and every year. So fantastic brewery, uh, run by great people. 
they will tickle your taste buds. Uh, the 12 Days of Christmas Sampler Pack uh, is the perfect gift for anyone of legal drinking age, of course, for the holiday season. Um, you can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Well, fall is still here, and we all could use a stiff breeze. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, and you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code PAYDIRT to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the PAYDIRT podcast. All right, Matt, so we shift our schedule from Mondays and Fridays to Wednesdays. About a week and a half went by, and it seems like everything happened in Penn State football, so we got a lot to get into here. Um, I want to start with arguably the biggest story in that time, Manny Diaz, hired as defensive coordinator. He was unceremoniously ousted at the University of Miami, Florida in favor of former Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal. Uh, Very ugly separation i guess you could call it it just seems like things are a mess there for the hurricanes but they got their guys so whatever so manny diaz was not somebody that was really being talked about obviously when this uh coaching carousel really got underway a few weeks ago this is a very good hire at defensive coordinator what do you think yeah i think it's a great hire i think it's a home run for uh, for james franklin and penn state and uh but the the big question though is what is he gonna bring to this Penn State defense, Tom, because you got to remember, he started the turnover chain at Miami. Yes. <laughs> so what can we see on the sideline from Penn State? I think, look, I think that'll be cool. I think he could bring something unique and fun, something similar to that turnover chain and get these guys excited and hyped up on the sideline. But, you know, you mentioned what happened at Miami with with, with his situation and then bringing Mario Cristobal in. It, it's just handled very poorly. Um, you know, it's it's, it's an unfortunate you know, it had to be an unfortunate position to be in if you're Manny Diaz to to go out like that because look, he did a great job. Was it, you know, what everyone expected Miami to be over the past three years? No, probably not. You know, but they still won some big games. They still played some great football. And if you look at what he did over the past since 2016 when he was at Miami and, and those three seasons under under Mark Rick as, as a defensive coordinator, I mean, they were a top 25 football team, and it was because a lot of what that defense was doing. And you know, we talked about not just bringing in a great defensive coordinator and making a big impact across the country about who you hire, Tom, but bringing in somebody who has a linebacker background 
coaching mm-hmm. linebackers, developing linebackers. And Manny Diaz has done that for his entire career, right? You needed somebody who can replace Ron Vanderlinden and, and, and Brent Pry and what those guys were able to do over the past, you know, two decades or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And Manny Diaz is that guy to be able to do that a ton of experience again as a defensive coordinator and as a linebacker coach. So th- this, this is a great hire um, for Penn State. And now I feel like, you know, the way he was let go at Miami, you got to think this dude is fired up. You got to think this guy is motivated um, and, and he's looking to hit the ground running at, uh, at Penn State. So again, this is massive for uh, for this Penn State football program. Based on his track record um, as a head coach and as a defensive coordinator, which is far more important, uh, the scheme is exactly what Penn State does. So that should be pretty seamless. Very curious to see what he can do with, um, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, he'll be focusing on the linebackers. And I think there's this feeling amongst fans that you see a guy rise to the ranks of being a head coach and then going back to being a coordinator. Um, sometimes there's a negative perception about that. And I was curious what you think, because I, I genuinely don't believe that you see so many instances where why wouldn't a guy try and take the head job? He wants to see if he can put his stamp on a program and execute his vision. And maybe it just doesn't work out. And some people are just better suited in those roles. Do you think that that's just kind of the case with Manny Diaz is that he can just be a great DC? Yeah, well, well, look, I mean, obviously, I don't know Manny Diaz had never had the opportunity to play for Manny Diaz. Um, but, you know, it's some people, right, are just coordinators throughout their career. Some people are meant to be a head coach. You know, it, it, I don't think we saw enough of Manny Diaz as a head coach at Miami to really, you know, sit here and decide whether he can be another head coach again. Of course, or is he just yeah. a defensive coordinator. But I think you have to look at the position too, Tom. So, right, he, head coach, he's going back to being a coordinator. But, James Franklin, we all know, is more of a CEO, right? He's not really that guy that's going to be coaching every single day, right? You know, again, all we can do is sit here and speculate. But, like, from the looks of it, Mike Yurchich is in charge of the offense. He's running that show. You have to think Manny Diaz, the coordinator, he's running that show, right? Both of them, right, are in charge of their respective groups, whereas James Franklin probably is just overseeing everything, Obviously, Franklin's, Franklin's making some big decisions on game day, but I, I still feel like, in a way, Manny Diaz is still going to be the head coach. He's just the head coach of that defense, right? That's that's the way you look at it. And, and look, mm-hmm. this this is is football, Tom, right? It's the ultimate team sports. Whether you're a coordinator, position coach, head coach, whatever it be, you're all there for the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's one common goal, and that's to win, develop your players so they can go on to the NFL. You know, so I, I don't think I mean, unless you, you got a big ego or something like that, I, I don't think, you know, these guys are too concerned about power or, or authority or anything like that. No. And to your point, Franklin, I believe, was quoted as such as saying that Manny Diaz is going to be, quote, the head coach of the defense. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I believe that's the case. So this looks great. And especially after a couple of weeks of. Uh, uncertainty. Brent Pry obviously going to take the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. Everybody was maybe looking at Anthony Poindexter to be the guy who went from co-defensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator. Um, for a second, looked like Poindexter was going back to his alma mater uh, at Virginia. They changed their head coaching um, search and didn't go with Poindexter. So this actually, you know, all's well that ends well because you retain Poindexter. And then you go and get Manny Diaz. So what looked like kind of a bleak circumstance at first uh, has really improved. And, and it's something that you and I have talked about, the, the contract extension for James Franklin, more money for assistance, more money for uh, recruiting. It was very alarming to lose Brent Pry. So this is a very nice move for this staff that I think 
should absolutely be commended. Um, in regards to headlines in the past week, I would say Manny Diaz hire 1A, 1B was Sean Clifford announcing that he's returning for his sixth season at Penn State. This, frankly, was a polarizing announcement. You saw plenty of Penn State fans were like thinking the same way that you have said, Matt, on this podcast and that like, hey, he's been the starter for three years. He's earned his shot to, you know, he's earned his opportunity to call a shot and come back as the starter for Penn State football. And you also kind of assume James Franklin would be interested in that. And then there are plenty of other fans that were not happy to hear this, um, did not want to see more of Sean Clifford. We're hoping he would transfer. Um, I just genuinely don't believe he is NFL ready at this time. Um, and that's been the consensus of a lot of people. So when you saw the announcement, what was your reaction? Well, you know, look, I mean, obviously he's not NFL ready, but I think it's more of, you know, he was injured. Yes, he needs another year to maybe have a chance to get into a camp, you know, at, at the next level. Um, this, you know, again, this is something we talked about. We compared it to uh, Adrian Martinez's situation at Nebraska. He chose to enter yes. the he chose to enter the transfer portal. Um, like the, there, Tom, there was a lot of quarterbacks that left schools this year, right? Spencer Rattler is now going to South Carolina. Quinn Ewers yeah. from Ohio State, he's now going to Texas. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if I was a quarterback, I'm thinking to myself as well, well, I could stay here for a sixth year. If I enter that transfer portal, it may be tough to find a landing spot where I can play right away. True. But at the same time, if you're one of those fans who is sitting there saying, you know, no, we don't want Sean Clifford Bear quarterback. You know, we want him to move on, whatever. Just go back and take a look at what he was able to do throughout this first half of the season before he was injured at that Iowa game. He was playing mm -hmm. the best football of his life, and it was really impressive. Um, and that's with having, you know, seven or eight months to understand Mike Yurcich's system. Now he's got a full year. He's got game film to learn from. He has a whole other offseason in spring, summer, training camp to work with Mike Yersich, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think this was the best move possible for Sean Clifford. Um, and obviously Penn State felt the same way, Tom, because you have to think they had, they, Franklin Yersich, they had to sit down, they had a conversation with Clifford and say, hey, listen, you know, what are you thinking? We'd like to have you back. We don't know what the future holds for us, right? Is Vayu ready to play? He did a fantastic job. Um, you know, in the game that he played, but is he ready to really take over and be the guy? You know, Drew Alar, is he the guy? Yeah, he's a massive recruit, Tom, but we see it time and time again that these some of these big recruits, they either play too early or they have struggled developing. They can't adjust to the speed of the game. They can't understand the offense. They can't get in and out of the huddle, right? So we don't know what the future at the quarterback position holds for Penn State without Sean Clifford. Mm -hmm. So, look, I think it's a smart move on all parts to bring him back, let him be the guy, let him lead, let him continue to learn the Yurcich's, uh, you know, offensive system. Um, and again, if he can stay healthy, and we've talked about that during the season, if he was healthy. He was injured against Wisconsin. It, so, I mean, it's just been behind the eight ball who all knows year. What, who knows what could have been if he stayed mm -hmm. healthy the entire season. I was in the Big Ten Championship game with Sean Clifford. They beat Iowa. So, you know, it's I, I think it's a right move. I think it's a smart move for Penn State. I think it's a smart move for Sean Clifford's career. It's a fascinating circumstance now going into 2022. Um, it was also announced this week, Taquan Roberson is entering the transfer portal. 
I don't believe that really surprised anybody. And it's no disrespect to Taquan Roberson. I believe he is a very good athlete that just needs to find the right place. Um, I'm not even sure if he'll wind up as a quarterback necessarily, but I think he can play quarterback at the college level. Uh, at what level, I'm not sure. So um, I do wish all the best for Taquan, a kid that got put into a very difficult situation against Iowa. So all the best to Roberson. But now it appears going into 2022, okay, Sean Clifford's coming back. Christian is already in town. Um, Drew Alar, unless something unforeseen happens during this National Signing Day, early intent period that we're in the midst of, and we'll again, we'll cover that next week, um, Drew Alar is on his way. Uh, Bo Perbula, who is also part of this quarterback class that's coming in. Let's not forget. So now you got a lot of guys in that quarterback room that time is a factor. So Sean Clifford, okay, if he can stay healthy, that is certainly going to be the best case scenario for Penn State, you would imagine. However, if an injury happens, and based on his track record, it very well could, do you go with Veyu? Does a large jump Veyu some point during camp? Does he come in and light the world on fire? And is this a circumstance that, hey, maybe we're entering 2023 and either Drew Alar or Christian Veyu is not a part of the Penn State football program because something happened during the 2022 season? So it, it's very, very intriguing. And Matt, I can't remember the last time at Penn State we had this many viable quarterbacks all at the same time. I don't know what you think. I think competition starts immediately. And that's yeah. and that's why you play the quarterback <laughs> position. That's why you play Division One football. That's why you play football at a school like Penn State. Competition is healthy. It forces you to never take a day off mentally or physically. And I just don't mean competition in terms of practicing. It's everything. It's weight room. It's conditioning drills. It's stretching time, like everything you're evaluated at all times and you should be doing everything you can to be better than that quarterback standing next to you on a daily basis. Right. I mean, it's outworking, it's consistency, it's determination, it's being prepared day in and day out for everything. Um, you know, and look, the way college football is today with this transfer portal you know, if I had any advice for any of these quarterbacks right there in this competition behind Sean Clifford now, stick it out, right? Don't, don't just, Hey, I'm not getting reps or I thought I wouldn't have been the backup this year, or I thought I would have been the starter this year. So I'm not, so I am now leaving and I am now transferring to another school. Uh, Tom entering the 2010 season. I was, I was a third quarterback. I ended up starting like seven games that year. Right, went on to have, you know, a quarterback competition in 2011 as well. Ended up, you know, playing in every game, starting a ton of games, and then went on to be a full time starter in 2012. Right, it's not just because it's an uphill battle or just because you're in constant competition doesn't mean that you're being treated unfairly. It doesn't mean that right this school isn't for you. It just takes some time. Right, it forces you to work a little bit harder, forces you to believe in yourself. Um, you know, it forces you to get better every single day, right? So just because it's difficult right now or just because there's competition right now doesn't mean that you need to go jump ship. That's all, man. It's, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. which is tough. That's that's what, that's what the tough part about college football. No, it's, it's funny because it, it's become an outdated concept. I remember in the 2000s, you'd watch games and, you know, a, a quarterback would be applauded for, quote, waiting his turn. Yes. You heard that. 
you heard that phrase so often. There's, oh, he's a fifth year senior and he's been sitting on the bench for four years. Now that is un, unheard mm-hmm. of because the opportunities are there to transfer. And and I always come back to, hey, coaches are jumping around left and right, and you got Brian Kelly doing ridiculous things at LSU. And it's like, but, okay, if they're going to jump, why not the players? Here's the thing, too, Tom. You look at Michigan, right? In the college football playoff, Big Ten champs. This is Cade McNamara's third year in that system. Mm-hmm. Third year in that Michigan program. Yeah, he played a little bit of football last year, got some experience, played in a few games. Takes over as the full-time starter this year, and look at the season he has. I don't care mm-hmm. if he's a game manager or whatever you want to call him, whatever category you put him in. You know what category I'm going to put him in? Winner. A Big mm-hmm. Ten champion. College football playoff quarterback. That's the category I'll put him because he waited his turn. He competed. He wasn't the starter on opening day last year. But what did he do? They gave him an opportunity. He made the most of that opportunity last year. He did enough last year for them to say, all right, we trust this guy moving forward. He's going to be our guy in 2021. And look at and look at the job he's done this year. Mm-hmm. No, you can make the argument on both sides. So I, I just find it we're at a fascinating point in college football. Yeah. There's never been more fluidity uh, for coaches, for for players. And I think it's improving the game. I think it's a fascinating thing. I, I you mentioned Spencer Rattler. I can't believe what South Carolina has done in the transfer yeah. portal overnight. Shane Beamer has transformed the Gamecocks in a way that I don't think anybody saw coming. I think and, and another thing too. Like, listen, I know. I may not be the biggest fan of the transfer portal, just in terms of when you look at it, guys that aren't playing or guys are complaining about reps, so they just leave right away, right? There are positives to it, like the Quinn Ewers situation at Ohio State. All right, mm-hmm. that's where it's a good situation, right? right? The Spencer Rattler, that's where it's a good situation. When, I, Roberson. I, yeah, he's Roberson. Gonna, he's going to find a better exactly. spot. Exactly. When you know like there's no chance for you or like C.J. Stroud is a Heisman candidate, right? Quinn Ewers, you're not going to play next year. You may not play the following year, right? That's where it's a good situation. I'm just saying when it's tough sledding, sometimes these kids leave schools too early. Um, so yeah. just you know, stick it out as, as much as you can. But you're right, dude. It's college football is crazy today. This, you know, these quarterbacks leaving going to different schools, man. It's crazy to see. And in the same vein of that movement, the transfer portal, then there's the concept of opting out, which you and I have discussed uh, quite a bit as of late. And we are going to ask Paul Pozlesny about that later on, because if anybody can speak to coming back for another year, sustaining a major injury in a bowl game that was not for the national title, Paul Pozlesny can speak to it. So we're excited about that. Um, It was also announced uh, in the past week that Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks has opted out of the Outback Bowl. Um, So that is a plus if you're a Penn State fan, obviously a negative if you're an Arkansas fan because Traylon Burks over a thousand yards receiving. He has been an excellent wide receiver. Um, Not entirely sure where he's going to go in the NFL draft, but he will probably get picked up by somebody. Um, How big do you think that opt out is, especially for this game? Yeah, I mean, look, at any time a big-time player opts out, I mean, it definitely helps the opposing team, Tom, right? Because now you're, you know, you're not necessarily focusing in on stopping one guy, game planning around one guy. You're able to be able to do things a little bit differently, maybe take advantage of certain situations more, you know, more so if, if that guy was playing, you wouldn't be able to, have, you know, mm-hmm. be able to do certain things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's big. Um, but again, you know, you know what I feel about, you know, the whole opting out thing, you know, and looking ahead. Um, to try to play at the next level. But look, it's going to happen. Guys are going to continue to do it. So it is what it is. I just I just want to say this for Penn State fans that ever poo-poo opting out. Michael Parsons opted out. Granted, COVID-19 was terrifying the country, and he clearly made the right decision. He is maybe 
going to win defensive player of the year, actually probably will, and is in the conversation for MVP in the NFL. So I don't want to hear it from Penn State fans, especially because it's like it just happened and <laughs> look what's happening. Um, but yeah, obviously, hopefully he makes the the decision that's right for him, uh, him being Traylon Burks. We'll do a full uh, breakdown of the game itself, of the Outback Bowl in two weeks on the uh, December 29th episode of Pay, ba- uh, Pay Dirt, excuse me, right before uh, the Outback <laughs> Bowl itself. So uh, yeah, that's my old WWE brain. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's exciting uh, just because this is the time of year and you know what it's like in the lead up to a bowl game is that in practice you start seeing the guys who are going to be big next year that maybe in that bowl game because of opt outs because of injuries whatever reason um, opportunities arise so this could be this could be dangerous for Penn State you never know who else within that wide receiving core could step up Mm -hmm. for Arkansas they are a predominantly a rushing football team so that has worked very well for them this season and that has been the Achilles heel for Penn State's defense yeah let me let me say this before we before we move on to our interview uh like bowl practice is huge it really is like I don't think you know uh, some people understand how important that time is for coaches to evaluate their players and for players to prove and show that listen man you know I'm ready right I've had an opportunity to learn this entire year understand what it takes the game plan understand you know by taking mental reps what it takes to uh, to step up and, and and contribute on this football team What's important too, like when you're they're evaluating these players, Tom, is all right, who's really been focusing and who's really been paying attention this year and who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Because during these bowl practices, you'll do scrimmages and stuff like that. And it's like if you go in there and you're making the same mistakes you made in training camp, you made in the spring, you've wasted a season. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, you haven't been taking it seriously. You haven't been paying attention. You haven't been getting those mental reps. So this time is crucial for for uh, you know some of these backups and underclassmen. A lot of anticipation. The countdown to the Outback Bowl, Arkansas versus Penn State. That's coming up on New Year's Day. Uh, Next week, we'll get a full recap of the National Signing Day early intent, early signing period. That's obviously taking place right now, so we can't give you results because it's happening as we're speaking and recording this. So that's fun. Um, So we'll we'll dive into that and uh, continue to preview ahead of the Outback Bowl. And we'll see what other headlines break because it's been a wild week and a half that we've just seen. But coming up here in a matter of moments on the Pater podcast, one of the biggest guests we've ever had on this show, um, arguably one of the best Penn State linebackers to ever do it, the history of linebacker U, and in my opinion, one of the greatest college football linebackers and defenders ever. Paul Pazluzny is our guest in a matter of moments. But before we get to that, we do want to take this opportunity to say goodbye to Dull Gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. 
All of us involved in the Paydirt podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Without further ado, we are joined by one of the greatest Penn State linebackers ever, and dare I say, one of the best linebackers in the history of college football, Paul Pazluzny. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for the time. Uh, you know, I feel like I've been watching you and uh, your career, and everybody calls you Puzz. So, can I can I call you Puzz? Is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely, it makes things easier for everyone. Let's just do that. It just shortens up the spelling. It's so much easier. Um, so what's going on with you? How are you? How's life? What's happening? I mean, life is great. Um, like we were talking earlier, I'm married, married to a Penn Stater. We have three little ones. And I always say, like, if they're good, then I'm good. Um, so, uh, yeah, all, all is well right now. All is well. You kind of uh, resurfaced for Penn State fans very recently. This season, you had a chance to go back to Beaver Stadium. You were there as one of the honorary captains for the Penn State-Michigan game. We all wish that game had gone better than it did. But uh, what was that experience like? Because it had been a while since you were back on campus. Yeah, it, it, it had been too long. And it, it was so exciting to finally get back. Um, that was the first time that I had been back to a Penn State game live in Beaver Stadium since I played, which is which is crazy to think about. But um, it was an unbelievable experience to go back. Went back with my wife, like I said, as another Penn Stater. So to go back to State College um, and just and be in, in that stadium again and see it, it was it, it was awesome. It was awesome. So very fortunate to finally feel like I'm at the point now where uh, I can have the capacity and obviously the desire to, to get back into Penn State football and do everything I can to help the program. And Matt, you know what that's all about in terms of uh, just being able to stay connected to the program. Uh, and you and uh, Puzz have a lot of similar experience in terms of you guys obviously both played for Joe Paterno and you both have Outback Bowl experience, which is very <laughs> relevant right now. Uh, I think Puzz might have better memories of it yeah. than you, Matt. Different experiences, you can say. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, but let, let me start here, Paul. Now, now that you're done, you know, uh, you got back to Penn State looking back. I mean, it's been 15 years you know, since your last season at Penn State, does it feel like that long or does it feel like it was just yesterday that, that you were running out of that tunnel in, uh, in Beaver Stadium? I'll tell you what, it, 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 it feels like it was, it was a long time ago now, especially, especially after, after being back there and just seeing 
um, I mean, just all the positive changes that have, that have gone on at campus and the stadium and how things are different now, it made me realize and say, okay, wow, like this, this what, like you said, it was 15 years ago, you know, last time it stood up for the Nittany Lions. So um, it, it, it does, it does feel like, like a while ago, but, but the, the, the passion and the love for, for Penn State football, I mean, I think that's timeless, right? It, yeah. it, that, that, that doesn't matter how long it's been, but um, so it was like, it was, it was great to be back, but it also made you realize thing, things have changed. Things have changed in a good way, you know, for, from, from when I, I was there, but um, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's still the unbelievable, you know, the, the best environment in college football. Yeah. That's one of the things that like the older I get, the more I've been removed from Penn state football, the more I realize that you carry that, that Penn state tradition, you carry that, that Penn state name with you forever, because when you're playing, you know, you, you know, you certainly don't, you don't think about that. You just focus on, you know, playing, but when you're not, when you were an honorary captain this past, uh, this past season, what memories from playing popped into your head? Oh, I mean, so many great ones. Let's put that way because, you know, so we're there. um, It was cold. A little bit of rain, you know, so that you get like that, that beautiful central Pennsylvania weather for that time of year. And then beautiful. You just tend to think about like all the all the great times you had there as you know, as as a Penn Stater, you know, playing in that stadium. Um, I prior to going back, I had talked to to Sean Lee a couple days before, and he was he was we were talking about the 2005 uh, Penn State Ohio State night game. At, at, at Happy Valley. You beat Ohio State. It's a huge game. The place is rocking. Um, and Sean was talking about plays that he remembered seeing and, you know, and let's say things that I've forgotten and plays that, 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 that are so vivid in your, in your mind. And that, that, all, that all comes back to life once you get back in that environment. When you're back, when you were back in that environment, like, did you think, like, like even going back, because the question I want to ask you is, like, and I, we had Mike Moudy on a few weeks ago, and I, I asked him a similar question. It was like when you're going through the recruiting process, was it always Penn State for you, right? Because you, you, know, you had a number of offers, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, where you're from. Did you want to be the next LeVar, the next Shane Conlon, or the next Jack Ham? You know what I mean? Going into that process. And when you got back there and, and taking a look around, you're like, yeah, I mean, it was all worth it. Oh, I mean, I think like thinking about the recruiting process. Let, let's put this way: when I got when I had uh, when I got a scholarship offer from Penn State, and you know, went to on an unofficial visit. You know, Tom Bradley's walking us around campus, and they when we went into the football building, they showed us a they showed me and my parents a highlight tape of linebacker U, right? And it's Lavar, and it's Brandon Short, and it's and it's Shane Conlon, Andre Collins, Mac Morrison, all these great names that we all know now. And on, it was, to me, it was, it was like, man, if I could, if I could go here and just be a part of this, like, I, I know I, 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 in my mind, I was like, you can't compete against LeVar or, or, Shane, or Shane Lee. These guys are Jack Ham. I mean, these guys are legendary, right? They're, they're, they're larger than life. But if you just, if you could just be a part of that tradition, um, well, once, once you did that, it, I was sold. Right. You know, after I experienced that and then, then, then you have the opportunity to, to go and compete and you say, man, maybe I can play at this level. You know, when I first got there, I was like, man, I just like maybe when I'm a junior or senior, I can I can I can play. Um, but it didn't going in saying I want to be the next great 
you got that was that was uh it was almost it was almost unthought of you know you just want to go and say be be on the penn state football team because well, you know penn state football was i mean that was it um so to have them to compete on the team was was just great experience yeah you, you mentioned your first few years there uh which were tough years right mm-hmm. on 304 you guys uh, you know, certainly struggled a little bit that year. And I, if I even remember correctly, like there were talks of, you know, Joe possibly being fired back then, you know, in the early two thousands, what was that like? Because obviously you guys turned it around 05, 06, 11 and one, nine and four, which was the outback year. So you kind of had a mix of, you know, struggling. And then this, this fantastic turnaround where you were one of the best teams in the country in 05. Yeah. I mean, so when I get there in 2003 and I, I think that that record was the worst in Penn State football history. So you get there, you know, you go into Penn State football, and then, and then that happens. And you say, wow, okay, we, we have some work to do. 2004, we get a little bit better, but still struggle. And at the end of that year, um, people were calling for Coach Paterno to step down. And thank God that he had the courage to say, I know how to get this thing turned around. I've been doing this for a long time, and, and, um, and we're going to make it work. Because in the following year, we have guys like Michael Robinson and Alan Zemitis, great leaders who then, who then who, who turn everything around, you know, for, for Penn State, win the Big Ten championship. And then all, all of the – it made all that struggle in 2003, 2004 worth it even more, you know, because we got to experience the, the other end of that and see kind of Penn State get back into, into a prominent level. Yeah, uh, two, I got two more for you, Paul. And I'll pass it back to uh, to Tom. But uh, you know, you mentioned Joe. You know, saying he knows how to get this 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 team turned around. Um, you know, uh, what are some of your memories about playing for Joe? You know, any 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 stories you want to share? I mean, I, I to be honest with you, the, the the biggest impact that well, let's put it this way. I was going to say there's there's two one one on the field and then one off. When I was a, when I was a freshman, towards the end of the year, I started had the opportunity to start. And we're getting ready to play Ohio State. Um, and it was in practice. And Coach Paterno was coming over and was watching the linebackers do, doing drills. And I didn't do something proper. And Coach Paterno didn't, he didn't even look at me, but he came over and stood by me and, and talked to Coach Vanderland and our, our outstanding linebacker coach. And he said, uh, Ron, if, he, if, he, if he's not tough enough to play, he's not playing anymore. <laughs> so and, and that, like, the fact that he he made his point clear, and I said, okay, I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can that Coach Paterno never questions my toughness again. Maybe I make mental mistakes, not not the fastest, fastest, biggest, whatever. But don't ever let have someone question your toughness. Great lesson to learn, you know. And, and so unbelievable that that you know he said that to me as a, as a as an 18 year old freshman, and that's that's stuck with me for life. And then the guidance that he gave, that he gave, Matt, and, you, and you'll know this in team meetings, I thought was was unbelievable. His ability to to take a book that he was reading uh, and and apply it to, I mean, the the biggest one that he always talked about was Shackleton's way, right? And the life lessons that he took from that and then applied to Penn State football, he was his goal was to educate us in in a much greater way than be a great quarterback or a great linebacker. And we all know that now. Um, and if it's, it's something, you know, it's only, you almost don't realize it until you're, until you're done, you know, until, until you're out. But uh, I'm so appreciative of, of that from him that he, that he just, he had a greater calling. 
in, 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 in molding us into, into being good young men. I've, I've brought this up before on the podcast. So, uh, you know, it's like anytime Joe made a point like on the field or, or, you know, team meetings or, or whatever it may be, like it, if he was talking to somebody on the defensive field or somebody, you know, during a special teams period, everybody stopped and listened. Like everybody knew how valuable those words were. And, you know, you're just, you're trying to soak up as much information you know, uh, from him, uh, you know, that you can, um, you know, so, you know, uh, going back to you, uh, your last season, Oh, six, nine and four year playing the Outback bowl. What was that like for you? What was the mindset like at that time knowing that, okay, this is it. I don't get to put on a Penn state helmet ever again after this bowl game. Man, it was, uh, it was tough because, you know, it, it was a great, it was a great ending though. Great ending to, to, to that season, to, um, to my career there, because that, that year was a challenging year. We had a solid record, but we had, we hadn't beat a prominent opponent. And then we had the opportunity to go play Tennessee and, and everyone's talking about the, the speed associated with the SEC and we can't compete with them. And then, and then we, we go down and, um, you know, get a big win and take care of business and, and finish the season on a great note. But I just think of, uh, you know, the teammates, that I spent time with the linebacker group that we had. I mean, it was it was Dan Connor, um, Sean Lee, Tim Shaw, and Navarro Bowman was part was part of that group. I mean, um, man, just just a great group of guys to be around. You know, and a great a great group of guys to compete with. And um, you just I remember I just tried to enjoy it as much as I could. I didn't want to leave the field. You know, after the, <laughs> so we win, everyone's excited and saying, "Man, I don't want to leave this field because this is the last time." That, uh, that I'm going to be able to wear this, this uh, you know, blue Penn State jersey. So it was, um, you know, it was one of those things, man. It, it was it, part of the deal. Uh, it, sad that, that, it, that it happened, but also uh, very appreciative of just everything that, that uh, Penn State represented and everything I had the opportunity to experience. And, Paul, it sounds like, you know, when I, when I talk to Matt on this show about, you know, we, we see so much now, and especially in the last five to ten years, and granted COVID has been a big part of that, players opting out you had a very difficult end to your time at penn state and people remember the orange bowl from the 0506 campaign uh, if it weren't for you playing as hard as you did in that game does penn state beat florida state that's a great question to ask but you get carted off um that was a difficult moment for you and you have a major injury and have to rehab and you're inevitably thinking about a career in the professional ranks was there any part of you that thought about that? Because it's become so commonplace now in college football to opt out. At that point, it was all like, I, I don't think guys did it, right? But you, you can understand the situation now, but um, there's something special about uh, being committed to your, your college team. And because it's only... It, it's so short in the grand scheme of things. It, the opportunities are, are so limited and it's such a influential part of your life. And so the, the opportunities to compete for that, for your school, for your state. I mean, I think that's special and you, you wouldn't want to miss out on those opportunities because while well, you're saying I'm going to the NFL, I want to be safe. I want to, I, I get that. You know, you can, you can definitely understand that. I guess it just, it depends on what your priorities are and, and understanding that, 
um, you have limited opportunities and you want to take advantage of them, you know, and if you're if you're at if you're a part of something special and you want to you want to do everything you can to help that group. Yeah, nothing but respect for that. Um, and it's and it's funny because it's a similar theme that you touched on when you officially retired from the National Football League. And Matt, you and I were talking about that earlier today. You would uh, I forget the quote that you said specifically from uh, when Paul announced his retirement. Do you recall what we talked about? Yeah, well, we talked. Yeah, um, I, one of the things, and I, I read your your speech, Paul. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is something that obviously. You know, I, I I know and I'm familiar with you mentioned living a life of success with honor. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that was something that I that phrase, as you guys know, that's from Penn State. Mm -hmm. To me, it's just me. It, it, and again, it's one of those things you don't really realize it until you're until you're away from Penn State and in a professional setting or away from ball altogether. That um, there's so much more than just being a good football player. Because at the, at the end of the day, I mean, are, are people going to remember you as a, as a good person, as someone that tried to help others, that served a purpose much larger than himself? Um, you know, in, in our world, I mean, equate that to being a, you know, were you a good teammate? You know, did you help guys next to you? Because now that, now that I'm, I'm out of ball and you think about, okay, what did you, what did you love about it? It was, it was having the opportunity to help, to help your teammates you know, have success, help them learn and improve. Uh, I, I mean, it didn't have a lot of success in the NFL from a record standpoint, but, it, but at this point, that doesn't matter. I couldn't tell you what my records were in any years. I can give you great stories about teammates that I had in each of those years and the impact that they had on me and, and hopefully the impact that, that I had on them. Um, and I think that is that just becomes the more defining purpose is, is uh, you know, being able to dedicate yourself to something that's much greater than just saying, well, I could go run and hit people really hard. You know what I mean? They're, they're just, they're, there's much more to it than that. And you learn that at Penn State. Hey man, you played over a decade in the NFL. You got nothing to, to prove to anybody and you took care of your family uh, for life. So uh, I, I'd say you did all right. You did all right <laughs> between the Bills and Jags. We'll see. We'll see. we got a long way to go. Hopefully. <laughs> so uh, like I mentioned before, you had a chance to get back to campus. So you got to see this current Penn State team in action a little bit. And you mentioned some of the guys that you got to have in that linebacker room, which is an insane list of talent. And this current crop of linebackers at Penn State, not too bad themselves. So what do you think of this group of Brooks, Jacobs, and Brandon Smith? I mean, awesome to see them play in person. I was exciting to watch because, you know, you, you, you had heard and, and read so much about them, but to have the opportunity to see them play live, um, it, it was exciting because they're, they're a great group. They're, they're a great group. And, you know, when, when you look at them, they, they look like stud players. They're built like stud players move well and i'm thinking i don't know if, i don't know i don't know if we if we quite look like <laughs> you guys had the neck rolls so it made you look as big yeah. as you wanted to look no um, more, that's more intimidating that's more intimidating <laughs> for a quarterback the neck the old the old neck rolls you guys running around like dan connor's was twice as big as paul's was <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah but yeah awesome group to watch i mean so and it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see them to continue to you know improve and, and represent penn state quite uh, I'm glad you brought up that uh, that 2003 season. If I remember, the record was three and nine, and you know Joe, as you mentioned, and you guys detailed so well, was a cemented legend at that point. So now, looking at 2020, 2021, 
there's a lot of people and listen i'll be the first one to say it is critical of james franklin and it's been uh 11 and 10 in the last two seasons last year four and five this year seven and five um do you have any advice to penn state fans like is the idea just kind of the old aaron Rodgers thing of like hey relax i mean i think let's put it this way you know having the opportunity to actually meet coach franklin and see and see how he interacts with his players and uh I mean, the command presence that he has, um, he, he's got my full support. And I, I would say, like, there's, there's going to be challenges, right? That's it's part of the game. But uh, with him at the helm, I think Penn State football is, is in great hands. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's there for years to come because uh, he seems like he always gets the right guys. And if you could tell that he is, he is devoted to Penn State and what Penn State means, and that's the type of person you want leading your organization. They just gave him a nice contract extension, Matt, to make sure that yeah. stays the way, stay that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me go back a little bit here for you, Paul. Uh, Tom talked about you know that 2005 team. He he mentioned Dan Connor, like special year, special season. That defense was fantastic. You obviously had a great year. Calvin Lowry, fourth round draft pick. Dan Connor again. Linebacker, great third round draft pick. Tamba, first rounder, right? Jay Alford, third uh, third round guy. Uh, you know, Tim Shaw, fifth round guy. And you know, uh, obviously Tim's battle on ALS, and you know he he's he's in our thoughts and prayers. Um, but a, a lot and a lot of other guys on that defense that went on to be greats at Penn State, like Sean Lee. Um, playing with those guys, how does that elevate your game each and every day? I think when you, when you know that you're surrounded by studs, right, and you're, and you're surrounded, not only that from an athletic standpoint, but guys that, that love the game and you see them, you see how they work, and you, and you say, okay, I need to make sure I'm doing my part because the guys next to me are doing everything that they can to help Penn State and have success and, and be at their absolute best. I mean, I think that's just that overall uh, competition just drives you because you don't want to let the guys next to you down. Right? That, that's that's almost like your, your greatest fear as, as a player is, man, if I miss this play, uh, you know, Dan Connor is relying on me to be here. Sean Lee is, rem- is relying on me to make this play. Jay Alford, you know, our three technique that that year when we played in the NFL, he's relying on me to, to be at a, at a certain point at a certain time. Um, and you don't want to let those guys down because you know how much everyone has committed uh, to being your absolute best. So that, that is, that is always a, a motivating factor. Now that you're done looking back, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, Shane Collin earlier, Jack Ham, LeVar. Have you looked back on your own career and thought to yourself at all right, what, what I, what I did was pretty good. Like, do you still, do you still, you know, you know what I mean? Like, has it hit you that you are in that category, that you are the guy? Matt, and I, I'll, I'd love to, I'm going to love to get your opinion on this because when I, I still, I still dream about football all the time, right? <laughs> I dream of the mistakes that I made, but in my dreams, I have the opportunity to, like, to almost replay the play. And so I make the second time. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's almost like how like I when I think about ball like man you know I love the game and, and oh if I would have just if I would just react a little bit quicker that I could have and so that it's so it's strange that's what I think about um, you know and not in a negative way by any means but just like there was there were there were things that 
yeah, I, I missed some plays and, and, uh, it, but that's, that's what stays with me. I think more, more than anything, but then when I think about my time, you think about the players that you were with and say, man, Tom Bahalib playing with Tom Bahalib made a linebacker's life a lot easier. You know, <laughs> when the opposing quarterback knew that Tomba was bearing down on him. I mean, so that and I, I think about that aspect as well. It's just that the, the guys, the 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 guys that that, that we all play. I'm I'm about to get crap, Paul, for the next month because Penn State's playing in the Outback Bowl, right? That, arguably the worst worst game of my entire life, right? You know what I mean? And I mean, as soon as they're like Penn State's going to the Outback Bowl, my first thought was yeah, five and I threw five interceptions that game. But you're right, like Eddie, like you you never think about the good plays. You never think about yards you ever think about touchdowns completions you always think to yourself like wish i made that play or yeah you know i, I miss that throw like you never because you're you expect to make the, every play you expect the outcome to be good you, i've never ever gone into a game thinking we might lose today right that it never crosses your mind it never it never crosses your mind you always think you're gonna win you always think you're gonna dominate and that that stuff like certain throws certain interceptions, certain plays, like it stays with you. And it's, it's just, that let's, that's it's just who, you know, who, you know, who you are as a competitor, who you are as a player, you know, you strive for perfection, understand you're never going to get there, but you still strive for it. Right. Um, you know, so with that, let me ask this question. Not too many players get to decide when it's time to hang them up. You are fortunate enough to be able to do that with your career. How did you know what went into that decision? Because like me, I would have played until they told me I had to go home, which they did. So, you know, I, I had no choice, Paul. But, you know, for you, like how tough of a decision was that? And, and one, what went into that? Uh, it, was, uh, it was incredibly challenging because let's put this way. I knew I, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep playing. I keep that on the side. I love this game. I, I, I just I want to keep playing. I want to keep playing. Um, but there was a, there was a, the difference was there's a difference between what I wanted to do and what I felt was right. You know, um, I, at that point, uh, my man, it took so much effort, uh, from a, like from a, a training and a, and a rehab standpoint to feel good on, on Sundays to get my body right, to feel good that I, or I started to realize, okay, maybe it's, it's probably getting, it's probably getting close to time. Uh, because you know knees, hips, and shoulders just didn't feel right anymore. And the, my my biggest concern was, I mean, we talked about this earlier. That I said, okay, so let's say let's say I hold on for one more year. You know, come back and play, and play the year. What? And there's a high probability I'm going to be uh, that there, I'm going to be a step too slow at some point in the year because I knew I, I saw how a, a 16 game prog progression happened in 2017, 2018, how I felt. And I said, man, yeah, I think I could play at a high level for like six to 10 games, but that's not good enough. You still, you, you, you know what I mean? You still, you still got six games plus left. Um, so I, I said, and I, I didn't want to deteriorate on the field and have people say, and have my teammates say, man, last year, Puzz would have made that play, but he's 34 now. You know what I mean? And so I, I said, I would, I would rather stop a, a little too early, you know, even though I, if I had a chance to go back, but I'd rather, I'd rather stop now instead of um, regretting coming back because I, because I, I love the game and it would be almost selfish reasons to come back. 
Um, so that's that was that's what went into the decision. It was hard. It was hard because, I, like I said, I didn't want to stop playing, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. Was that for you? Was that a like a one day thing? Like you just kind of knew it, or was it over like a certain period of time? Like you kind of you kind of like realized it, or you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, 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 it took it took weeks after the season to figure it out because you know. So you're you're in the season. Everything's going great. And then, you know, and then once, once, uh, you know, we made it to the AFC championship game, came up a little bit short against the Patriots and then, you know, took a couple of weeks and said, okay, I got to, I have a decision to make here. You know, do I go back for another year or, or not? And I, I look, just thinking about the course of the year and how I felt and even how I felt at that time, you know, it was, I said, okay, the smart thing to do, the right thing to do would be to, to call it and, um, and start to get ready to do something else. And as you said, man, success with honor. So it, it seems like you made the right choice and uh, made the right choice for you and your family. Uh, before we let you go, you know, we're all about hard hitting journalism here on the Pater podcast. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if you've been asked this question before. Uh, I don't know if you're even remotely aware of it. Um, do you know that the majority of Penn State fans within the last 10 to 15 years that have had puppies have named them Puzz? I did not know that. I'm very honored. I'm very honored. I did not know that, though. You didn't know that? Okay, so the popular ones, just to educate you, are Trace. McSorley, obviously. It's a great dog name. Nothing against his parents naming him Trace. Uh, Saquon Barkley just writes itself. And then Puzz. I can't tell you how many classmates of mine and just Penn State fans that I met, they're like, oh, we just got a puppy. We named him Puzz. It, it's very endearing to me. I love it. I love it. That's that's special. I like that. Oh, man, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, We hope you enjoy the Outback Bowl. Have a great holiday season, and you are welcome back anytime on the Pater Podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great talking with you. We appreciate it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.